All right, we're back to podcast. I hope everyone has had a good day and the Lord has blessed you. Walk in with the Lord. And um, that's that's our desire. That's that's the whole theme of this series. And uh, as I've told you on several times before, this the uh, Sunday morning series that we're in was actually born out of the Ephesians study that we're, we're doing. And so the two kind of just really fit nice, kind of fit hand in hand with one another. And so um, we're going to go to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter number 4 in the Word of God. <clears throat> and if you recall, um, I have, I, I broke down the book. I broke down the way it unfolds in regards to the fact that um, the first three chapters speak of the spirit-filled life. It speaks of what life should be uh, and, and how we could walk with God, our fellowship with God, and so forth. And then the last three chapters are covering the effects of that, how it affects and impacts our relationships and our lives. And so they work together. Now, understanding that, um, we're we're here in in the scriptures, and uh, we're in chapter four. Okay, now this has been a, a wonderful study. This study has just it's pleased me greatly in regards to the fact that um, the every chapter that we've done so far has taken at least two sessions. Um, this one's going to take probably minimum of two, but now we get into Ephesians chapter number four. So let's jump in together. Of course, this is Paul still speaking to, to the Ephesians, and these first three verses are the high calling of, of believers. In fact, the first 16 verses really are, um, and then it gets into the behavior of believers. So and let, let me speak about the high calling of believers uh, as we get up, up front. We must never forget that, that our calling, our business, our duty, our role, our vocation, which is a word we're about to use, is in heaven. It's, it's a higher calling. And uh, we see that in verse 1. Let me go ahead and read verse 1. I'll make my comments. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. So Paul is, is speaking this as a prisoner, uh, not a prisoner for doing wrong, but a prisoner for for uh, Jesus Christ and serving him. It's funny, he done all that killing and he never served jail. He follows Jesus and he serves and he and he's uh, he serves jail time. Now, that's hard to fit in with today's theology. But it doesn't change the fact that that's the word of God. He's doing all the murdering. You, you know, people people talk like the, the day we live in is the worst day, you know, that we've ever lived in. I, I've got news for you, folks. You should read. You, you should read more history of the United States if you think this is the absolute, absolute worst. It might be the absolute worst time you've seen in your lifetime. But you can just go back to to the settlement of, of our country and 
just the depravity that people lived with. Uh, yeah, we we heroicize the, the good ones, but there were some very savage people that lived back then and done awful harm to people, thieving and stealing and robbing and raping and ki- so it's anyway. I'm 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 making the point that Paul. Paul is a soldier. He's a he is a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Never was a prisoner for murder, but he's a prisoner for preaching the gospel. So we go we go on. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. Now a vocation is your calling in life, wherewith you're called. So this is Paul. Speaking to believers, this is not Paul at a preacher's conference. This is not Paul at a missionary's conference. This is Paul speaking to believers at at Ephesus. And he speaks of their vocation wherewith they are called. So what that tells us is our jobs may vary. We may make our means of living, means of income in different varieties, different avenues but the fact of the matter is our calling in life is to be like Jesus to live for Jesus to serve Jesus to to walk with Jesus to know more about Jesus that's our calling that's our vocation that's that's what your bible saying now you know that I that's that's what the scriptures say people have an idea that a preacher is the only one that has a calling no, every one of you that are listening to this, preacher or not, has a calling. So verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now the term forbearing uh, one another means to accept and love each other in Christ. Now, there's a lot to be said about the modern church, but I would say one thing that, that every area, uh, every church or many churches that I know lack in, and that's that's forbearing one another. That's having patience with one another. That's that's being able to work and operate and, and serve with one another. And that that's the other thing that we've got to look at in context concerning these these Ephesian believers, Philippian believers, Colossae Galatia, every single one of them, they're all different, but Paul is adamant that they work together, forbear one another, that means to accept each other in love, to be able to serve God. You know, I may not agree, I don't know anybody I agree with absolutely everything on, every personality clicks, I I don't know anybody like that, not one person. But that doesn't mean that you fought. You see, we're so divisive in our society. You don't fall out just because you disagree on matters. Not every time. Now, if you got doctrinal issues and 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 the brother can't get past it because you ought to be able to, then then yeah, we've got scriptural grounds. But until then, you've you you've got commands to forbear one another in love and in the bond of peace. Now. We Sunday night we dealt with the seven dispensations, or I'm sorry, Wednesday night we dealt with the seven dispensations 
we dealt with the 12 mysteries in the Bible. Well, today, in verses 4 through 6, we got the seven ones. What do you mean? Well, let's look. There is one body, okay? That's us. That's us that begin to make up the body of Christ. One body, one spirit. Notice that's capitalized, the Holy Spirit. Uh, even as you're called in one hope, that blessed hope of your calling, one Lord, how about that, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Well, well, well. Anybody remember when the uh, coexist bumper stickers got to be real popular? And then, you know, it's uh, it's okay what you believe. We're all going to heaven. That kind of mindset. Well, the Word of God's pretty narrow. Why are you so narrow-minded, preacher? Well, the Bible says I'm on the narrow way. And that Bible says there is one body. That's the body of Christ. There's one Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Or speaking of that, I mean, there's, there's multitudes of spirits, diversities of spirits. But one Holy Spirit. That's that's the capitalization there. Even as you're called in one hope. Our hope is the blessed hope. One Lord. How about that? One faith. Not Muslim, not Buddha, not Hindu, not Hare Krishna, not Christian science, not Mormonism, not Jehovah Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, would not, nope. One faith. Faith in Jesus Christ by grace through faith are you saved. So there's one faith, one baptism, and that's immersion. What your Bible teaches, not sprinkling. You won't find sprinkle one time in the scriptures, not once. One God. Now this is to this is to Greek people. The, the New Testament was given to us in Greek, and this too, primarily most of the New Testament is, is, is written to Greek people in its immediate context. These churches were Greek churches. And what did the Greeks celebrate? What did they worship? They worshiped many gods. The god Zeus, the god, you know, I don't even remember them all. Saturn, the god goddess Venus. On and on. Well, I'm just reading right here that Paul's telling these folks that are Greek, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. And look at that. The context of our entire series, in you all. He's in you. You can't say Zeus is in you. You can't say... Uh, you can't say... Saturn is in you. You can't say Venus is in you. But you can say God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost live on the inside of a believer. Verse number 7. Verse 7. Let's get into this. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So everybody's been given a gift. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So the captivity captive, in verse 8, 
that is that he conquered the very powers of Satan that had for so long held captive parts of the earth, so in bondage. So he, he, he rescued, he held captivity captive, he led captivity captive. And what this is, do you remember my teachings on, on the resurrections and when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he got the keys to hell. He unloosed those, uh, you know, that were in paradise. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He bound up those, and he will ultimately bind up Satan himself with the key to the bottomless pit. You remember all of that? Well, that's that's more of the same where, where the Bible is telling us he, he got those that were captive in paradise out. But he will hold captive those that need to be. So he led captivity captive. And after he did that, look at what the scripture says. says, he gave gifts unto men. Now, watch this. Now that he ascended. So the ascension, you see, you see that it refers to the ascendant, ascension. This is a quotation from Psalm 68, 18. All right. We won't, we won't run it directly. We won't look at it directly, but... Um, it, it is a direct quotation from Psalm 68, 18. And this refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it tells of his coming to earth, his death, and then his ascension to be with God. So watch this. Now, he that, is, that he that ascended, what it is, is that what it is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. You see, that's why he went there, was to get the... Those that were in paradise. Do you remember Luke 16, the rich man in hell and Lazarus? And Lazarus was in paradise and the rich man was in hell. So paradise was at the heart of the earth. Christ went and moved the inhabitants of paradise. And on the way, watch this. He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, as he done this, watch. He gave, verse 11, some apostles, okay? Now, the apostle would have had to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ. They had certain transitional gifts and were instrumental in the establishment and the spread of the early church. So he gave some apostles and some prophets, okay? Now, that's, that's the prophecies from the Old Testament. Uh, as well as prophecies in the new to pin the word of God. But now we have a more sure word of prophecy, which is the scriptures. Um, and it says here, uh, verse number 11, and some evangelists, that would be kind of like our modern day missionary or what uh, Kevin does and, and others do uh, in, in working and, and evangelizing, uh, that's absolutely uh, Kevin's gift. I know, okay, it, it, you see, you see the gifts that are distributed. Now that doesn't mean there's not a crossover gift, uh, or, or uh, you know, all of us can't do a little of of the rest of it. But he's given different people, administrators, or administrations of different gifts in the scriptures, in the church for the furtherance of the church. So watch. And some prophets and some evangelists. So that's the evangelizing, the soul winning, the, the, the getting the gospel out, the getting the word of God out. That's, that's that part. 
some pastors and teachers. Now, how about that? Now, a pastor should teach, but also you can teach and not pastor. That's why it says pastors and teachers. So, all of us have a gift, every single one of us. And he did that upon taking the, the captives out of, out of hell or out of paradise, moving them to heaven, stopping off by the earth. And as he does so, he begins to administer the offices and the roles and the leadership and the jobs of a local church. And that's what we see here. Verse 12, for the, here's why, here's why, here's why you got evangelists, here's why you got apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, tea. here's why you've got offices, people in the church, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, two of those offices we do not see in use today. One of them is the apostle. You say, well, contrary, preacher. Well, the problem with that is the Bible teaches that in order to be an apostle, you had to have to seen the resurrected Christ. That's why Paul said he was an apostle born out of due time, because he was not there initially to see the resurrected Christ. So, number one, the apostle is one of those offices not in use. The second one, not only the apostle, but the prophet. Why not the prophet? Because now we have a short, more sure word of prophecy. We don't have to seek a second revelation. We don't have to seek a second prophecy. We got the completed Bible. So, that leaves us with evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those roles that should and could be filled in the church. Alright? Why? For the perfecting, verse 12, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why God gives us these gifts and these places and these offices. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. How about that? So, we seen earlier that there was one faith. Okay? It's being a believer. Christianity. But obviously, Christianity is not unified yet. That's why it's important to note that when we come back, we come back in unity of the faith. Everyone that's ever been saved. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man that's complete unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as much as Christ can measure out that's that's the gift that he's given us. Now watch. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. That's a lack of stability. I speak and preach and pastor to people oftentimes that really like stability in their lives. It's kind of up or down, hot and cold, uh, just unstable mindset, unstable emotions, and worst of all, an unstable spiritual life. Alright, that's what this Bible's talking about. That we henceforth be no more. That means you've got pastors, you've got teachers, you've got evangelists in, in service in the church so that none of us be no more children. That's, that's ungrown, 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I know some people like that. They just talk to everybody. They get all kinds of uh, bits and pieces about what everybody thinks and what everybody believes. Well, look at what it says. Be careful around those because those are people that can be tossed to and fro like a ship. Tossed every which away. One day up, one day down. One day they believe in eternal security. Next time they don't believe in eternal security. Sometimes you believe uh, you're predestinated to heaven and hell. Another time you don't believe in that. That's just tossed to and fro. Look, with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are people that are lying in wait to deceive you as God's people. Be on the lookout. That's why you got, that's what it says. That's why you got pastors. That's why you got teachers. That's why you got evangelists. To prevent you from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine to help you look out. But speaking the truth in love... So we should speak the truth and speak it in love. That's something that I attempt to do. That's why I always tell you how much I do love you and care about you. And that's why I'm speaking the truth to you. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. So we grow up. Notice we were called children earlier. Note that. We were called children as he started this chapter. But we're not to remain children. We are to grow up into him into all things. Man, this, this Bible is so good. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So we've got a body and we've got a head. We make up the body, Christ makes up the head. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the official working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, how about that? What Paul's saying here is to speak the truth in love because in verse 16, the whole body is going to be joined together. The whole body. The joints, the little toes, the big toes, the muscles the arm muscles, the strengthened muscles, we're all going to be joined together. So, we're going to cease there, but before we do, let's read uh, read from for some of this. What's, it, what, what's the synopsis here? It's the fact that Paul is about to get into some weighty matters. He's going to talk about husbands, wives, children, men, women, you name it. And before he does, he's letting them know that, that God has supplied us with means to live and a means to live in victory and a, a means to live, ladies and gentlemen, the abundant life. And he's done so through, through his spirit, through the church, through pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And as we do that, he's done so that we not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, that there's men laying in wait to deceive us, and he wants us steadfast, he wants us solid, 
and he wants us to grow up in the grace and the knowledge of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we're about to get into some meatier, heavier chapters. And before we ever do, God is adamant that we grow up unto Christ, that we mature. And because of that, he's provided us with the means within the church pastor's teacher. So that's my role. That's that's my job. That's my duty. I, I recognized my gift early. Before I ever started preaching and pastoring, I was I was teaching young people. I, I, I have a, a, a drive, a call, a desire to teach. That That's my pastoral role. I remember, I remember, I remember it's questioned me when we were when we were going through that process at Franklin Heights at the interview deal and it was it, it almost flabbergasted me to be quite honest with you it was well I guess some have a question there's no doubt uh, you're you're one of the best if not the best Bible teacher a lot of people have ever heard they just wonder what kind of pastor and I thought that's about the stupidest unbiblical question I've ever heard in my life a good pastor is a good teacher. What he meant was, what the question meant was, are you going to wipe every nose that runs? Are you going to chase down everybody that's mad? Are you going to tend to every little bitty thing and basically be a spiritual CEO of the church? Because, let's face it, that's all most pastors are, are, are spiritual CEOs or some type of spiritual CEO of the church overseeing the works of the church or what, let's better phrase that, what the people will let them oversee. Folks, that is a business model from a company, not the model that God has called for the local church. Guess what he's called for the local church? This this whole business of what a pastor, people think a pastor should be or do, that's that's the office. That's actually the role that he give deacons. And that's to tend to the, the widow ladies and the sick and the afflicted. Read Acts chapter 6. That's not the pastor's role. So a good pastor is the good teacher, is the one that can teach the word of God, break it down, show you what it says, explain what it says, communicate the truth of God. And what God is trying to tell us as we transition into these truths that he wants us to know throughout the rest of this book is I have provided you, God has provided you with the means to have what you need in this life to be filled with the fullness of God, to walk with God. I've given you my Holy Ghost. I've given you other believers that you ought to to, to have love one towards another to. I've given you the Word of God. I've given you the church. And in that church, I've given you evangelists. I've given you pastors. I've given you teachers. Now, that's what he's saying in Ephesians right here. That's, that's the truth he's communicating. Now, understanding that, God is leaving us without any excuse for us to be all that we could and should and will want to have been when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. He's left us with those capabilities. All right. 
This has been Ephesians chapter number four, part one. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll get into part two uh, next Sunday night because we got Bible study this coming Wednesday night. So I hope you've had a, a great week um, or I hope you have a great week. Good night. God bless. And I love each of you.